Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? I got obsessed with the idea of deep fakes. Deep fakes are video and audio altered content for the web that are obviously fake. But yeah, fake video and audio content on the web. I think it's really relevant right now because Trump is leaving the office. Thank God. And he's the king of disinformation. There's a difference between disinformation and misinformation. Misinformation is just stuff that's kind of wrong, but disinformation is the purposeful spread of wrong information for gain. And Trump is really good at that. Even now he's claiming that he didn't really lose the election. So according to a database set up by the Washington Post, Trump made over 18,000 false and misleading claims in just three years, from January 2017 to January 2020. That's an average of 15 lies a day. But just because Trump is on his way out, it doesn't really mean that this trend of disinformation is out. In fact, it's growing a lot, especially because of AI and the ability to manipulate audiovisual content really easily for everyone. Just been thinking about that and what that means for society and all the questions it raises. The word deep fake is actually a portmanteau of two words of the word deep learning and fake. So deep learning, also known as deep structured learning, is part of a broader family of machine learning methods based on artificial neural networks with representation learning. So basically, it's a way of machine learning. In a video done by DWTV, a computer scientist shows how the computer can learn itself how to use these images. So he doesn't actually have to do anything. He can just tell the computer, no, this is wrong, and AI will keep going and going until it creates what they deem a good image. So in this scenario, deep refers to the quality of learning, not the quality of the fake, although with better learning, you have a better quality of fake, obviously. And then there are shallow fakes, which was coined by Sam Gregory at the human rights organization Witness. Shallow fakes are videos that are either presented out of context or are doctored with simple editing tools. They are crude, but undoubtedly impactful. For example, a shallow fake video that slowed down Nancy Pelosi's speech made the U.S. Speaker of the House sound slurred and it was actually watched by millions of people on social media. A shallow fake is something that ordinary citizens can do, and you don't need a lot of technology to do. And the term was first used in 2017 and originated in the Reddit community Deepfakes, where people shared videos involving celebrities' faces swapped onto bodies of actresses in porn videos. The first non-pornographic deep fakes actually involved Nicolas Cage because the internet loves Nicolas Cage. In fact, there's a website called Nicolas Cage is Everyone where people just photoshop Nicolas Cage's faces onto basically anyone and anything. Apparently the internet loves Nicolas Cage because he did a lot of films and he's got a lot of expressions that can be used for this kind of thing. But then as we move into society where we you know we've all got a lot of selfies online, our images are all online, they can be used kind of without our consent. And our image, which we should, you know, have ownership over, can be used 
in all sorts of ways. So deepfakes, yeah, they did start obviously like everything on the internet and every single technological advance almost has either started with porn or war. And deepfakes, they did start in the porn industry where, you know, people were putting celebrity faces on pornographic images and stuff, which goes to the question of consent. Mm-hmm. It's deeply disrespectful and it's also stealing someone's image. Violating. Yeah, it's awful. And this is still going on. I was reading Reddit. There are these images of AOC and porn, which obviously that goes into the political realm, right? So in India, deep fakes have been used as a tool against political opposition. So there's an investigative journalist called Rana Ayub, who was a critic of the ruling party, the BJP. And in 2018, a series of fake tweets were posted online which appeared to come from her and said things like, I hate India and I love Pakistan, India's long-term political adversary. And then appeared a fake porn video featuring Rana began to circulate online. And it was even shared on the ruling party's social media fan page. And then obviously her phone blew up, she got doxxed, which means that her personal phone number and contact details were published online. She got hundreds of death and rape threats. And in the end, she was silenced and she had to stop writing. So it's not just porn, you know, it can be used politically as well. Yeah, the AI firm DeepTrace found 15,000 deepfake videos online in September 2019, a near doubling over the last nine months. A staggering 96% were pornographic, and 99% of the mapped faces were from female celebrities onto porn stars. So this is following a new trend where a new technique allows unskilled people to make deep fakes just with a handful of photos and fake videos are likely to spread beyond the celebrity world for example to fuel revenge porn it's being heavily weaponized against women it's the next step of revenge porn basically before your image things that actually happened were going into the public sphere and now someone implies so much about you and ruin all your chances of jobs, maybe even in other countries where, you know, say, for example, homosexuality is outlawed, you can blackmail people with these videos. Yeah. Well, that's because, like, the technology for spotting them isn't there yet. So in this Guardian article called What are Deep Fakes, they talk about how people spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out how to spot deep fakes. So someone noticed, oh, people don't generally blink in deep fakes. So then it's like, hail does, oh, okay, now we can spot them. And then the technology catches up and two minutes after we've come to the solution of how to spot them, suddenly people are blinking in deepfakes. So it's a run against technology in that way. And it's, you know, it's learning. So the concept of consent here really comes to the forefront because in 2015, a commercial aired for Dove Chocolate with Audrey Hepburn in it, who obviously has been dead since the 90s. And then likewise, I believe it was the Billboard's Michael Jackson performed live on stage despite having died the year before. That one to me feels very, very creepy because it's one thing to use CGI to recreate Audrey Hepburn in a clip. What they did was they had a dancer on stage. They like mapped Michael Jackson's face onto this dancer. So you can tell it's not 100%. But if you're sitting in the sixth row it looks like michael jackson is dancing on stage for you and did michael consent to this did this person consent to their image being used in this way and if they're dead can they consent like where do we go from here yeah i mean people could use your image after you're dead in all sorts of weird ways it's a bit like canned laughter 
Like when you watch Friends or something and you hear all those laugh tracks, all of those people who are laughing are dead. They recorded all of that laughter, you know, years ago, I don't know, in the 50s or something, all those people are dead, but they're still laughing and we're still listening to them laugh and reacting to it. It's just creepy. And I guess it goes into the thing of like, okay, so if you've been given the rights to use someone's image in that way, is that, that's not really consent, do you know what I mean? That's not really consenting. But it's not just using an image, it's really bringing it to life. Like, would Audrey Hepburn... Audrey Hepburn has to consent to advertise for Dove. I don't know, it's weird. That's a whole other decision, I'm not sure. No, but it it just becomes a thing of like, oh, you're right, I don't think that Audrey Hepburn would have consented to this, and yet her image is still used. But obviously, like, her estate, right, her children must have been okay with this. Yeah, but would you consent to your mother's image being used in an advert after she's dead? Isn't that weird? Uh, Yeah, I think it's very weird. Professor Lillian Edwards, a leading expert in internet law at Newcastle University, says, where she actually points out that the problem may not be so much the faked reality as the fact that the real reality becomes plausible deniability. What she's referring to here is this idea that Trump, who has, you know, admitted to grabbing women without their consent, later claimed, oh, this wasn't true. This was just, this was just a manipulated audio recording. So it kind of goes both ways because if it's so easy to fake things, then how do we start differentiating between what's real and what's fake? And like said, plausible deniability. Yeah, right, exactly. And I think this is probably the reason or the key that a lot of conspiracy theories are really gaining a lot of traction right now because it's very hard in the world we live in today when we've got multiple narratives, a lot of misinformation and disinformation and things like that. People don't know what to believe and then they're looking for patterns and things. Another example of disinformation is this Pizzagate, which was a very famous online conspiracy theory about the Democrats having a paedophilia ring that was operating outside a pizza place. It was supposed to be in the basement of the pizza place, but the pizza place didn't even have a basement. And somebody who was really into this conspiracy theory turned up with a gun based on what he thought was like loads of kids being held in this basement. So I think conspiracy theories are going up because we no longer have one narrative, like one source of information or a few sources of information, which are just like TV and... I guess a few newspapers, now it's just everyone is a publisher, you don't know what to trust and what not to. And then the other thing that we're seeing also at this time, which is a bit like our podcast does, is looking at the mainstream narratives and looking at them critically and allowing space for other voices and other points of view into those things as well, which also makes everything kind of destabilized even more. So we are at a particular point in history where it's hard to just tell or to find your stability or grounding in what is the truth and what is not and I think that's really anxiety inducing for a lot of people which is why they're turning towards conspiracy theories. So photoshopping has kind of been the precursor to deep fakes. This has been really prevalent. For example, during the power struggle between Stalin and Trotsky after Lenin's death Stalin started the cult of Lenin, where he like brought Lenin up to an almost godlike state, and he did things like Photoshop Trotsky out of famous speeches and Photoshop himself into photos next to Lenin to convince the public that he was the natural successor of Lenin to rule Soviet Russia. Yeah, I mean, Russia is the master of this kind of stuff. We could see that with COVID, where they spread two conflicting stories. One was that the US had manufactured COVID 
as a weapon against China, and then the other one was that the Chinese had manufactured it as a weapon against you know the rest of the world, and it was just basically creating tensions between China and the U.S. And it's not the first time that they've done this. They did it also during the AIDS epidemic when they said that the U.S. government had created this disease as a bioweapon to kill gay people and black people. And at that time, obviously, that was spread in newspapers and through different type of printed means, I guess. But now we've got the internet, and you can see Russia's really messing with elections. They had a hand in Brexit. They had a hand in the last election, the 2016 election, with a disinformation campaign against Clinton. Yeah, it's not new, but it's going to whole new levels. I remember my grandmother told me that when the Soviet Union marched in in Lithuania, they put up posters that depicted the leader of Lithuania running away with the country's gold. So this has been a worrying phenomenon that has been developing since humans have been sharing information. But there has been sort of like a pushback against this. For example, in the Baltic states, there are these things called the Baltic Elves are thousands of volunteer activists who spend their time dismantling the disinformation campaign of Russian trolls from exposing biased news pieces and misleading statistics to debunking fabricated stories and half-truths. Currently, Lithuania counts around 3,000 elves, Latvia has around 150, and Estonia only has two dozen. Going back to the Russians, my favourite international news outlet to watch, especially when I go to hotels or somewhere else, is Russia Today. It's great because it's so obviously biased that it really draws your attention to the fact that it's biased and you kind of watch it critically. You're watching it and being like, okay, what's the story being told here? What's all the stuff here? Whereas when you watch the BBC, the way that they present it and the way they hold themselves is like, this is the narrative, these are the facts, this is it. And Western media, uh, not the US, um, but you know, like, I guess we all have that in newspapers and stuff, in a sense, has something to do with editing Mm-hmm. and what stories are being told, you know, how and who sets the agenda and all of that kind of stuff. So on the other side, you know, the internet is really good because it's democratizing, but is editing a shallow fake too? If you're telling one story and you decide to cut out everyone else's story. There were a couple of examples of things that have been counted as shallow fakes. You know, like with the Nancy Pelosi example, they haven't actually done that much to it. They've just slowed it down to alter... They've slowed it down to make her seem stupid. Yeah, they've slowed it down to make her speech sound slurred and... Yeah, but for example, where the Tories in the UK... During a TV interview with Keir Starmer, who is part of the Labour Party, he was being interviewed on Good Morning Britain, and all the way at the end of the interview, he was asked about Labour's Brexit plan, and all people did was edit his answer in such a way that it made it seem like he did not know what the Labour Party's Brexit plan was. So this is like not sophisticated at all, but it was widely shared. This is the same thing that happened with Jim Acosta, the CNN White House correspondent, where at a crucial moment when an intern was trying to take a microphone away from him, they just sped up the video to make it seem like he was being super aggressive and harsh towards her. And this caused him, among other reasons, because like Trump really hated him, caused him to be suspended from the White House. He wasn't allowed in anymore. Like you were saying, what gets shown on the news, surely that is also just people pushing their own agenda. For example, during the Black Lives Matter protest, you saw it very clearly 
during the news, even if they were very factually reporting on Black Lives Matter, which images are they choosing? Are they choosing to show peaceful protesters? Or are they choosing to show images of people looting and things on fire? They're still editing it in a way to tell their perspective and to push their own narrative. Photos of people setting things on fire and looting happened, but we are sort of showing them in a context to tell one very specific story that might not necessarily be true. Yeah, but also like people looted and stuff. But in comparison, percentage-wise, all those people who were just protesting for days and days and days and days, that wasn't actually reported on, like, you know, for months in some places. So just in the end, it's very hard to tell what to trust and what not to trust. And then I think the other problem is with the Tories and with the White House sharing images that are really edited so that they tell a different story from what happened. I mean, they should be held to some standard i feel because they are official bodies but obviously since trump came in all the standards have just gone totally down for everyone everywhere and that's a real big problem what seems like harmless fun kind of makes it okay in a way do you know what i mean if we can all laugh about nick cage's face being photoshopped onto amy adams face in a very serious scene in a movie then we kind of get used to the idea and it makes it feel more harmless than it actually is. But maybe it is harmless because some of it is satire, for example, is excluded from, you know, normal copyright laws in a lot of places. So you can take something that exists and then make it kind of satirical or poke fun at it. Another thing is if your image is in the public domain, you do lose some control over it. Again, with copyright laws and stuff, it's going into grey area a little bit. Yeah, so there's so many grey areas and there's so many questions to do with this and the technology is just getting better and better and this is going to be more of an issue for all of us that we will all have to grapple with and be affected by. And on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, for fact-checking, you can actually use some websites such as PolitiFacts, Snopes, AP Fact-Checking. And in Europe, you can use Full Fact, the BBC's Reality Check, and the Agence France Presse Fact-Check. Thing two, support grassroots organizations such as the Baltic Elves, who are a group of volunteers who seek to undermine trolls and disinformation. There are similar organizations in every country, and you can find one in yours. And thing three is taken from Reddit, under a thread called Deep Fakes Are Going to Wreak Havoc on Society, We Are Not Prepared. And somebody says, Maybe we can afford to trust what famous people say a little less. Maybe we should argue less about what did or did not really happen, and spend more time talking about what we want to happen and what kind of society we want to live in and how best to channel our efforts together. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube for news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references, and other geeky inspiration. Subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent 
nonprofit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.